0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. All right, so let's jump into it this morning, right? Let me pray really fast. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you for this day, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. Um, God, we thank you that you have landed us here this morning um, to be together as a community and people and for any new people in the room that are visiting. But um, God, we pray that you would lead us into truth. Um, We don't assume that we are perfect church or anything. We are being individually sanctified and corporately sanctified to become more like you. Um, We are not. We are increasing by decreasing, um, by learning how to walk in repentance and live in the light. And we just ask that you would um, unclutch our cold hands around our self-righteousness and let us release ourselves to trust you and to fall into the arms of your mercy and grace this morning. Um, So please, show us you. And that is the only remedy for our sickness, Father. So we praise you for everything you've done for us in Christ Jesus. Let us rejoice in that with no condemnation, but with freedom in our hearts. And please give me the guidance to preach this sermon this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to start off straight off the bat with Luke 22. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, or if you have your phone, like most of us do, or whatever you have, you can go there. I'm going to read this out loud to you. So Luke 22 says this. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times and you know me. We're going to start off talking about the fantasy, like the Americanized um, thing we do inside of the church, which is basically based out of kind of our self-righteous fantasy, like this thing we walk around with where we're like, man, I just want relationships to be like this. I want church to be like this. I want it to feel like this or whatever. And it just simply isn't the case, right? I find myself often in this tension where I'm frustrated and mad because there's this fantasy when it comes to church, being a pastor, being in a relationship with other Christians that I actually want Jesus to actually give me. Like God, make this be the case, but it's simply not the case. It makes me weak, it makes me needy, it makes me need Jesus to help me, it makes me need for him to give me the strength to forgive, to have mercy on people, to look in the mirror and see where I'm actually wrong. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about up in here? But I got a fantasy though. And the fantasy is like we want on the block and just everybody's just coming to Jesus, whatever, and like we love each other so much and we're the best of friends and like <sighs> whole head explode, you know? But it doesn't feel like that often, right? So it's like either I have to abandon it or by faith. Maybe we're in this process, like I said earlier, where we're being sanctified into something. And it is frustrating. The Bible talks about creation being frustrated and frustrated moaning and yearning to be redeemed, right? Being subjected to frustration, actually for our own good, right? I'm getting completely off my notes, but we're going to roll with it. Subjected to frustration for our own good, because we are not in good shape if we get what we want. We don't need Jesus if we got what we want. We like to think better of ourselves, right, than that. But he lets us be frustrated and live in this tension to make us needy for him. Y'all with me so far? Peter, in this verse I just read to you, is in fantasy land. Verse 33. So I'm going to tell you how you know he's in fantasy land. Because Jesus just told him that Satan has demanded to have you That he may sift you like wheat. And then Peter's response is, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. I don't know about you. You call me on the phone, and you be like, hey, yo, man, we got beef. You know what I'm saying? When I see you, I'm going to punch you in your mouth. I might respond and be like, oh, word. Well, meet me at the park then, homie. Let's handle it. If you call me, and you're like sounding like an orc or something like that, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, when I see you, I'm going to sift. I'm calling the FBI, yo. i like, we, we even this. we're not meeting at no parks, no nothing. Do you say the word sift you like weak to me? I'm like, I've never had that kind of beef in the street before. I don't even know what that is. I don't want no parts of that. I don't want to get sifted. But here's Peter. Peter's like, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus is trying to arm wrestle with Peter. For Peter to see himself, but Peter's caught up in fantasy land. In Peter's fantasy land, Peter is actually, he's a good, loyal, die hard, ride to the wheels, fall off Christian. Jesus is like, brother, you are not that. And we've seen in the scripture plenty of times where he's arm wrestled with him over this, so like he's about to let Peter crash into this very much like the American church today. We are the perfect mix of naiveness, arrogance, conceitedness, self-righteousness, hero complex, with an idolatry cherry on top. Am I talking crazy or anybody know what I'm talking about? All right, I'm talking about me, all right? We love Fantasyland. We walk around, we use phrases like, we just need to be walking it out in kingdom excellence. Well, sounds good, who defines excellence? We're usually talking about a cultural norm that we want everybody else to bow to, right? Everyone's selling your best life now. But the problem is it looks nothing like the scripture, right? Even the scripture that I just read to you, right? About Peter getting sifted like wheat it starts off, I'm not going to read it to you, but that scripture starts off and the disciples are are fussing and they're talking to Jesus about like, who's going to be the greatest, Lord? Who's the greatest out of us all? They already have the whole thing backwards. They're already in fantasy land already, right? They have no idea what they're about to get into. This walk with God and walk with following Jesus is not about to be Disneyland. That's not what it's about to be. But they're like, yo, who is the greatest, Lord? Like, who is going to be selling out arenas, preaching your word, killing it, Lord, for the love of God, you know, doing podcasts with a million people? They're ready to be superstars in this thing. Y'all understand where I'm coming from? It's not going to happen. They're getting caught up. Let me ask you something. If you want to catch... Like say you got like a critter in your yard, right? What's the way you catch it? You set the trap, right? And you throw some breadcrumbs out there, right? You figure out what they want. Like maybe they want Cheez-Its, you know what I'm saying? Some Hot Pockets, I like Hot Pockets, whatever. You know, who doesn't like a Hot Pocket? Besides when it burns the whole top of your, your, you have the the whole meat of your mouth and the top is just dangling off for the next couple of days. But it's worth it. I could preach on this whole thing. I'm not going to go there, though. We'll just bring it back. You get where I'm coming from? But like, you lay down your breadcrumbs, and then boom, the trap. Right? That's how Satan plays the game. He gives us our fantasy food, everything we delight in, comfort, pleasure, whatever, a little bit of praise, whatever, all these different things, and like, it feels so good, and we're just walking straight into the trap, and we're calling it walking after the Lord and kingdom excellence all the time, but it's a million miles away from it. Satan has crafted the perfect storm for us to walk right into his trap. It's very much what we see in American Christianity today. This is why the word is so vital, like when we talk about slowing down in our lives to look inside of the scriptures and actually feast on that food, so this food doesn't look so delicious. You hear where I'm coming from? Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way to death. I think everything I've ever done in my life, I thought I was doing the right thing. Many of us do. The other day I ran into um, somebody I know that used to go to our church and um, really sweet person. And we started talking and they were just like, they were telling me, they're like, yeah, you know, I'm through with church or whatever. And you know, this is, they went, I don't know, I don't even think they were ever, like, really a part of church. They used to pop up, like, a couple years ago, every blue moon. Um, I have to say that, so y'all would never think anybody would ever leave here anyway. But, (laughs) no, but honestly, like, it was years ago, whatever, in our old building and stuff. And and so we got to talking, and I was really happy to see them, and I was like, you know what's going on? They're like, and they basically told me, they're like, I really don't trust church, churches, all that stuff or whatever, but they're like, I'm in this weird thing where I have a craving for God still. And they're like, you know, I kind of don't know what to do with that. So I said, well, let's sit and talk. So we started talking and um, I was like, let me hear how you're feeling. What's your suspect of? And they're like very much involved in like a lot of like social work and doing stuff and everything and they're just like You know, I just feel like the church is like full of hypocrites and everything else and this and that And then now I'm out here and I'm doing all of this stuff And I'm involved in all these things and that felt like basically like heaven for a while, but then I found out everybody's hypocrites out here So I don't trust anybody politically or anything right so the pendulum just kind of swung on these things or whatever and so my conversation was like, well, I feel like you kind of, maybe like you, you bought into the fantasy of church and you maybe thought church was gonna be that. And I was just like, church is actually, I said, one, I said one of the issues with churches, right, including ours, is that when people come in, a lot of times they have to jump up to try to assimilate into who we are, right? And so the process of growth for more church, most churches in their mind is actually to keep lifting this bar higher and higher. And all the while, a certain class or a certain group or whatever, a certain race, whatever the situation is, they can't, they don't fit. They don't feel comfortable in the room. So, our, so we keep building this fantasy, but like what the Bible is talking about, when it's talking about decreasing. And so what I was telling her, I said, yeah, we, we, we're floating up here. As we look at Jesus more, the process actually is to come down here. Does that make sense? That's what sanctification is in the Bible. It's not you getting cuter. It's not you getting your moonwalk down and learn how to do the Christian stuff and spit all the lingo. It's that you see the cross and walk in repentance and it starts to birth more humility, which makes people, make it real easy for people to approach you, right? It starts knocking the dust off this and like getting this fantasy life out of the way or whatever and getting to the real deal. And the real deal is that our sin is so ugly and grievous that the king of kings had to come off his throne, become a man and die. It's a really intricate, really serious, high level thing that we can't even grasp even though we rattle it out of our mind. Out of our mouth, we say it all the time or whatever, and it just becomes normalcy to kind of say the gospel, but like our lips shouldn't even be able to even touch it. It's that magnificent, that holy, that beautiful, and it took all of that to save us because our sin is actually that ugly and separates us that far from a holy king. You get where I'm coming from? So what's the reality we're supposed to live in in this process? Like, what is it? We're doing fantasy land stuff, and it, it grieved me to hear what this person had to say, but completely understood where they're at. And so it gave me a great opportunity to actually admit our brokenness and walk in the light about it, but also declare how we see Jesus in the trajectory that we're walking on. We're not working towards bigger lights and smoke, smoke machines, right? Right? Maybe we'll get them one day. I have no idea, but it's definitely not the trajectory, right? It's not not the mission of the church, right? You may have to read the projector off my hat, okay? It might be like that sometimes. These fantasies are about comfort and safety, but Jesus is everything but what we call safe, right? He's not safe at all. Let's read this card we put on. We, I mean, this verse right here, this scripture, we, we put on Hallmark cards all the time. Psalm 23. Y'all know that? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So beautiful. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Hold up, Jack. What, how we go from the green pastures to the valley? I, I remember that part up in there. This one, we in church, we like preach it, Lord. Get it. And he's like, hold on, man. You didn't say nothing about the shadow of death. That does not sound like a spot that I want to be in. He says, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You're riding your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So it looks like to me that this green pasture and this valley of the shadow of death are very closely tied to each other. You can't get the green pasture without the valley of the shadow of death, right? The fantasy life that we fantasize for Christianity is that we're just going to be basking and dancing, you know what I'm saying, in a fill of lilies and all that, right? Eating grapes or mangoes. I would prefer mango. right but it's not really what what the story is but God's faithfulness his goodness and his mercy is there but we've actually turned this story around where we walk around in our our arrogance we're like Peter or whatever like oh lord I'll never leave you and we've we've tried to model what healthy Christian life looks like and we wrapped it up in this pretty package in a bow it has no turmoil with it It's, yeah, I don't go through that because I love the Lord. My tithing and my giving protects me. That's why I'm flourishing. You can't tell? Crazy stuff. It's not that God doesn't want us to flourish. It's not that he he doesn't bless us. But it just doesn't look like what the world paints it as. Sometimes our blessing is happening right in the valley of death, right? Sometimes that green meadow is in the worst storm you could ever be in. Right in the middle of it, you are actually being present with Christ, feeling him, knowing him more than you ever have in your life. I talked to a couple the other week or whatever, and they were going through a hellish, hellish situation. And it broke my heart to hear what they were going through. And as I talked to them, they just cried the whole entire time. But what was absolutely amazing to me is because in that moment for me knowing them, they seemed like they were closer to Jesus than I had ever seen them. I told them the next day, I said, I hate that you're suffering like that, but like your suffering looks beautiful. It looks beautiful because it seemed like they were out of fantasy land. Right? Right? Luke 9 says, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one. This is Jesus talking, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him dem- deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's another spot where I want to hit the brakes at. Like, hold on, brother, you just said suffer many things. I don't like suffering. You said being rejected. And then you said be killed. Then you said be raised. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. This is where I get intimidated. But this is what he's saying. Deny yourself and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the son of man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the Holy Spirit. Angels, Does that sound safe to you? Does that sound like American comfort to you? It it doesn't sound like it to me. But let's look at us, though. We aren't safe, right? Like, I think about Jesus dealing with me, right? I think about Jesus, and when I say dealing with me, I mean... Showing up to even come in proximity of me and my disgustingness, it blows my mind. I came to Christ on the way to go murder somebody, running from an altar call, mocking it, spitting at it, have no idea how Christ drew me in. It, it baffles me till this day. It actually horrifies me because I'm like, I feel like I had nothing to do with it. So I just wake up like, how did this happen? Because I don't remember having that moment where like, Lord, I just want to serve you and follow you. Running the other direction and he switches the whole thing around, right? But he got involved with me. I don't know about you, like when I look to hire somebody, I'm looking for somebody who's stable, dependent, you know what I'm saying? Consistent doing their thing or whatever. I look for all these qualities and I have none of them. And Jesus adopts me into his family. Y'all get where I'm coming from? But nevertheless, I want to chart my American dream out where I never have to run into people who are missing it the way I was missing it. Where I still miss it often. It's just a conflict that happens there. It's risky to be involved. It's risky to love your neighbor, right? Me and Lana the other day, I asked her if I could talk about this so don't start tripping. (laughs) The other day, like, we got in an argument. And we don't argue very much at this day, you know, at this time, whatever, we used to back in the day. But we got in an argument or whatever, and you know, it was pretty serious. We had to go inside of the bathroom to have the conversation, because the kids were out there. It was one of those. I'm letting you all up in our stuff now, right? (laughs) And like, as I was working on this, I was just thinking, like, man, we, have, we, we go into, like, marriages with these, like, these fantasies or whatever and stuff. Do you know how risky it is to marry somebody? <laughs> Nobody but the Lord knows the wretch of a man that I am, besides my wife. Right? Like my wife does. Like, period. Just a straight Hard headed, just a jerk. That's, I was just a jerk sometimes, right? And then she models Christ back to me by giving me mercy and grace, right? And so, you know, we had our argument and stuff. I just wanted to say that to say how risky it is, but we had our argument, and then we did this thing at the end where I was like, you know, give me a kiss, and we played this game. She was like, nah, I don't know, man, about that. Like, you know, it's like, I'll. I'll send a kiss over there or whatever and, and whatnot. Next, you know, then we ended up embraced. You know what I'm saying? And everything else, whatever, and stuff. So she's merciful too, to a G, you know? To an old dog. She loves. She loves me. Um, but what's amazing is that God doesn't fall for that fantasy when he engages with us, right? He doesn't. He knows that we're going to be. Worshipping him, praising him, tears streaming down our face, singing about our commitment, our love, our devotion for him with a dagger behind our back. And he shows up every time. I'm not mocking the worship because it's his grace and mercy that we experience in that moment that it's like a glimpse of heaven where we feel like there is no sin that can trip me up right now because sometimes we're in that place and we're like, God, all of me, all of you, uh, right? So I'm not saying that to say like all worship is just mockery and games or whatever. But what I am saying is that we're experiencing his perfectness, his beauty, not ours. He loves us. This word says, and you who were dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses." It's risky business messing with us, right? So what's the deal then? Like, if Christians are supposed to have dominion and, ex- and like move in excellence and be like, just like that whole thing we think or whatever, like, is that not true? or what does it actually look like, right? Because that's the thing we have to get grips on. We have to, like, we'll keep stumbling over and we'll keep falling for the, the crumbs or whatever and lead into the trap or whatever. Like, if we're walking around without with a bad theology on what it looks like to actually truly follow Jesus. Like, God doesn't lay out everything and tell us every single thing about our lives, but he, he does very much tell us somewhat the cost of following him but if you're like me you fantasize what that means that has been my ongoing Christian walk and a part of my sanctification is that in my naiveness I keep finding myself in these situations and I'm like yeah there's going to be something here and there's never anything there His word just keeps proving itself more true. Like I I am the way, I'm the truth, I am the light. Like that becomes realer and realer and realer. The more political figures I talk to, the more rooms I go in, the more big pastors I stand next to, the more I look in the mirror and see myself in the depth of my sin, it's just like we are hopeless outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It keeps removing the floor from my confidence in anything. And it's beautiful, it's great. It hurts my ego sometimes, but it's great for my sanctification because it makes it where Jesus is the only limb to grab onto. And that's, that limb, that's a, this, this, I'm in the middle of the storm, but it's, it's comfort. It's safe. You get where I'm coming from? Listen to this right here, this is 2 Corinthians 4. It gives us a picture of what, what's going on. It says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord. A lot of this fantasy stuff is about platforming ourselves to proclaim ourselves. That's what's in the heart of it. But it says, "For for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of death of of the in the body, the depth of Jesus so that in the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. That definitely doesn't go with my fantasy. All of those words like death, I don't like those words. I don't like to talk about, that's like, but that's what it's all in here, right? It keeps, it's painting this picture of us dying to ourselves. Right? That Christ could be manifested through us. Where it talks about, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Listen to this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So it is actually God's plan to reveal his glory through us as broken vessels. That's the plan. If that's not what is happening, then his glory is not being revealed, right? It's, it's, there is no if ands or wiggle room in the understanding of that. This is, and, it, and, it, and, and we have to like approach it like that because this is where the fantasy starts. We end up proclaiming ourselves. Right. We end up putting lipstick on the pig, trying to get it real cute and sell it to everybody. Don't make any pig jokes early. I'm on the keto. All right. (laughs) Trying to get the ketosis. I'm trying to. I keep stopping my Panera bread on the way there, though. (laughs) But I'm going to get there. But you get where I'm coming from. We end up proclaiming ourselves because we refuse to let the narrative be that his glory is shown through broken vessels. The American story is saying that you're on the up and up, you keep it all together, you know, this and that. Even in the Christian church, you start feeling all of these pressures to walk around like you have everything right. Many of us wake up in deep, deep, dark depressions on the regular. And it's okay, it's actually okay. It's actually okay. It's not that that's what God wants, but it is a part of the process of being in a broken vessel. Some of this tension is meant to make us wrestle and needy for Jesus, right? It's it's meant to protect us from falling into the fantasy, thinking we have to glue a fake smile on our face to prove to everybody that everything's all right and we're still loving the Lord. You can be broken and love Jesus deeply. Actually, a lot of times you are, excuse me, a broken and contrite heart is what pleases the Lord. Let me stop playing with that thing. You get where I'm coming from? A broken and contrite heart pleases the Lord. You want to know how you perpetuate a broken and contrite heart? I'm going to jump around my notes. It's in verse 10. It says, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. What that is, is repentance. It's perpetually, perpetually, daily dying to yourself. Growing in this intimate understanding of how you are actually supposed to be on the cross, but you just keep finding Jesus on there when you try to throw yourself on it. That, that, that is what that looks like. It's walking in repentance. It's not a thing where you just hit the altar and I hit it up and now I'm good to go. It's this thing where you're walking in it every single day, discovering yourself, grieving it, but actually convicted, not condemned because you understand the gospel, the cross is very, very close to you. Even as you're stepping in potholes, right? There's times or whatever I go to say stuff or whatever, and I can just say something to my wife in the wrong tone or to my kids in the wrong tone, and it hurts because it's like it's a reminder like, bing, you suck, Jay. Excuse me if that's offensive. But it, but it lets me know. But I also want to grab it quick because it throws me to the gro- cross quick. The story is not us preaching ourselves, so I don't have to go into the dumps because I found out that I'm a, that I, that I'm a sinner again. You understand where I'm coming from? That's not meant to do that. The American fantasy makes us do that because it's like, I thought you were perfect. You're not what you said you are. This scripture right here is saying, we are definitely not what we say you are, but Jesus is everything that he says he is, and he is the one that we preach. He is working through us as broken vessels, right? Anybody who is around us and their their idea of our Christianity is that we don't trip, we've led them astray horribly horribly if 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 if, like if we're exalting ourselves, it doesn't work like that god's glory is very much comes out of us repenting often i'm not afraid to tell you about me and my wife having an argument well you think we don't i hope to god you don't think that i don't want you to that's not the story i'm trying to paint we got 10 babies with all that yeah it's all beautiful come to the crib or whatever and see me in the, in the corner like this right here, sucking my thumb like, gee, it gets ugly. Ping-ponging, these back and forth, I'm like, you, you change the pamper, you know, you go change it. I'm gonna flip this pillow, if it lands on the cool side, then you gotta change it. Going through all type of stuff. I'm putting. I'm literally, I got a basketball going up, go, going up inside of my bedroom right now, and it's for us to have to shoot. I'm not playing, but this is literally the truth. Gio will tell you about it. I was like, yo, we're gonna shoot this thing out going forward. I'm sick of changing these pampers. There's too many babies in here. Let's have a shootout on it, you know? It's true. Meanwhile, I'm also trying to learn how to serve my family better. But sometimes I'm like, I ain't with it today. Let's take it to the, to the, to the court. Let's get it. <laughs> Post up, let's let's play. But we have this treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's a beautiful thing. Listen to the storm. This is the storm in verse eight I'm gonna read to you. This is Satan's game being played. He says, he, uses, he says, this is this is Paul describing what they're dealing with. Afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. If somebody calls you on the phone and, like, their phone is breaking up or whatever, you're like, yo, what's up, bro? Like, what's going on with you or whatever? And they're like, persecuted, Shhh. afflicted, shh. Struck down. I'm like, I'm like, yo, we got to send a search party. They're going through some stuff. We got to go rescue them ASAP. I don't know where they're at. I think they're on Skull Island with King Kong or something is going on, but we got to go get them. This stuff sounds horrible. Would you agree? But this is where he's at, right? And at the same breath, he says, we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Satan comes with his perfect storm, things that would destroy us is completely anti the fantasy, right? Paul has made peace with living in this tension. He's made peace with living in it, like this is now his comfort spot and his norm. It's not the way we hear it in church. My friends or whatever that I was talking to you about, whatever that we're going through so much, they were just telling me how all their family members are like, hey, you need to get away from that. You need to just like run, 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 run. And all I'm thinking about is, Dag, this, 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 this is actually beautiful. Because you could run and be in fake safety or you could be in the midst of this storm or whatever and hold on to Jesus more tighter than you ever have. Right? Everybody who we celebrate, that we know, when we think about our grandparents, anybody who may have walked with the Lord and they've modeled this thing out for us, they got scars everywhere. Who wants a hero without scars? I don't believe this story. You come through looking too cute, I'm like, brother, you don't even smell like fire. But if they got singed up a little bit, whatever, I'm like, what have you been through? I've been through it. And Jesus is faithful. You understand where I'm coming from? Paul, a follower of Jesus Christ, like all of us in this room that know the Lord. it's not a superhero. He he, he declares in the scriptures, he says, he is wretched. We in our day and age are too cute to use words to describe our sin like that. Because everybody will look at us like, you can't be loving the Lord and be wretched. Paul is like, I am wretched. That's what he says about himself. But he's made peace and he's seeing victory. Him as a broken vessel, Satan is afflicting him and he's not being crushed. He is he's getting the testimony of glorifying God in the midst of his affliction. He is perplexed. You ever wake up and you just feel confused like you don't know whether you're coming or going? I hate that feeling. I hate it and I feel it very often. He says, but I'm not driven to despair. There is still this exclamation point of hope. Even when he feels so off point, he still knows that Christ is bigger than the storm. You get where I'm coming from? Like, right? like." Sometimes when you are going through it and you feel like Satan is whooping your butt, you ain't got no scriptures loaded no more, don't want to look at the daily Bible verses, none of that stuff. You ever been there? Like you're just like, Lord, I don't even feel like talking to you right now. I don't even know if I believe you right now. But sometimes there's this inkling of God like, Right? Before I came to Jesus, this is the honest truth, before I came to Christ, um, I used to be on drugs, I used to be on everything and doing everything you can think of. And I still used to pray. A million miles, like, I mean, I was just devilish the way I rolled. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was devilish with it. But for God's grace and mercy, I used to say this prayer where I'm like, God, if you are really who people say you are, come get me. Arm wrestle my unbelief and come get me. I promise you, I used to say that prayer. I didn't even know what I was really doing. I didn't even know what I was really doing. But I used to say that prayer. But not destroyed, not crushed, not driven to despair, not forsaken in the midst of all of this stuff, when he is going through this stuff, and a lot of people would say, curse God, they would encourage him to shake his fist at God and go the opposite way. Brother, this ain't working out for you well. He still has these certain exclamation points that he has etched in his heart. I am not forsaken. I feel like I am struck down, beat to smithereens, but I am not destroyed. I still got air in my body. He still has faith that he is still in a story that God is actually still the commander of. Verse 11, says, for we who live are always given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may, Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life is in you. And Colossians 2 says this, verse 13 says, "And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive, God made alive t- together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Christ gives us this amazing story. Worship team, you can come up. I'm about to end in a second. He gives us this amazing story. He lets us share in this victory, right? So when Jesus is going to the cross, Judas betrays him. Satan is snickering all the while because he's like, we're about to take him out. It's about to happen. I'm about to win. I'm I'm about to do it, right? And Judas, being used by Satan, delivers Jesus to his death. So he thinks. Meanwhile, the storm he's creating, he doesn't know that the one who rules and reigns over the storm is playing him for a sucker, right? So Jesus is giving his life. And what is going to happen in this situation is that Jesus ends up on the cross and dying For all mankind, right? And we very much are able to walk in the same story. In our weakness, the way God uses our weakness to display his power. Satan's always crafting this perfect storm, these breadcrumbs to destroy you, right? If we jump back and we go look at Luke 22, what's amazing is when it says listen to this it says Simon Simon behold Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you that you that your faith may not fail and when you have turned again strengthen your brothers Peter said to him Lord Lord I am not I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death and it says Jesus said I tell you Peter the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me so here here it is Satan is looking to crush Peter, to sift them like wheat. Jesus is telling Peter, he's telling Peter, listen, I've already prayed for you and when you've turned, make sure you pray for your brothers. So, while Satan is crafting up this storm like I'm about to take this brother out, Christ is already on the other side of his redemption. Like, homie, after you have turned, because Satan's going to get you. He's going to get you. He ain't going to get to sift you. Right? But he's going to pull the hard crust off your bread or something. I don't know how you want to look at it, or whatever, but he's going to get at you a little bit, and you're going to deny me, and you're going to feel like the wretched scum of the earth, earth, and Satan is going to think that he has you, and then I'm going to come over here and I'm going to overwhelm you with my mercy and grace, and then I'm going to continue my plan that I had for you since the beginning of time. And Peter becomes essential in the building of the church, right? This is what we have with Jesus, right? John Piper says this. He says, God uses demons to undo the design of the the father of demons. God uses Satan to defeat the purposes of Satan. This is not exceptional. He did it with Job, he did it with Judas, he did it with Paul, and he's doing it with you. He's doing it with all of us in this room. Satan is crafting his storm from day to day and the narrative, the, the good old narrative is like, hey, run from that, run from that. But God is like, I'm going to use you in the midst of your brokenness. It's how I work. This is not your story about how awesome you are. It's about how awesome He is, right? 2 Corinthians 12, He says this He says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. In weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me for the sake of Christ then listen to this right here I am content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when I am weak I am strong church you are literally a vessel for God's glory and our growth our maturity our fantasy has to switch from comfort being on or being being platformed and everything else to this place where we actually find comfort in the midst of the storm, hardships and calamities become our friend because we realize that our father has actually already overcome come them, right? And that they actually are they have to serve his purpose, and he's daddy for us. And if he's daddy for us, it means that so the y'all know the scripture where it says, Y'all humans being evil would never give your son a stone when they ask for bread, right? He's saying, I'm, I'm God the father. A lot of times we have a broken perspective of understanding him as father and we just see him as judge. But I love my babies. I like, one of them can't play, um, you know, the Xbox. They haven't played in forever. But I'm dying for him to play Xbox. But I'm withholding it for his good. You get where I'm coming from? I want him to have an amazing time. I want my daughters to have a good time. But I'm also going to manage that for them. But their perspective is that they can always trust that daddy wants what's best for them, and it's the same for us, right? The exclamation point on God's love for us is with Jesus dying on the cross for us. But I don't want us to be deceived. This walk, it doesn't look like what everybody's selling. It is your best life now. But it's a best, but but the, 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 uh, the green pastures, they, they, you got to go through the valley of death. And it's a beautiful thing. You'll get more Jesus in the midst of it. You'll be closer to Jesus in the midst of it. You'll have, his promises are sure, right? In Joshua 1, 9, says, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. The Lord your God is with you for uh, wherever you go. In Isaiah 41, he says the same thing. Fear not, I am the one who helps you. In Hebrews thirteen six, he says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? These are statements of people who are in the middle of hardships and calamities and they're growing in closeness to Christ Jesus. Church, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just praise you, Lord. We bless you. Father, we pray that you would give us The kind of faith, Father, that uh, allows us to be led by you, to not deceive ourselves when it seems like the place that you're leading us is hard, but to lead um, and, and cause us to run from it, but to like lean into that, to make comfort with hard places out of knowing and growing in you more and more that the credibility that you have with us is that you will not leave us or forsake us as your word says your word says let god be true and every man a liar father save us from our lying hearts our comfort addicted hearts Help us to be content and grateful for the days when things are very comfortable and easy, to enjoy those moments. But God, please don't let us cower from when you're pushing us into the valley of the shadow of death, when you're calling us to sit at the enemy's table to represent you. God, I pray for our church that we um, would grow in this area. I mean that for myself, for everybody that is a part of this church. That we would grow in this area and know you more. Um, That we would see um, fruit come forth out of bravely loving each other. Not being lost in this wishing for the fantasy to be true. But actually living it out. Instead of just criticizing the brokenness we see around us. Actually engaging it. Actually... Casting ourselves into the long story of it to see it redeemed. I pray, Father, Lord, you would help us shake off this hero complex we often see. And help us to actually embrace our weakness and knowing you more in it that when you break us open, that what will spill out is just love, that your word says that you comfort us in our affliction so that we may comfort people in their affliction with the comfort that we receive in our affliction. Help us to lavish people with the good stuff that you're giving us through Jesus. Not with fantasies, not with a lottery ticket, best life now type of rhetoric. But the goodness of knowing that you have sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. A sobering reality that we can never earn this mercy. No matter what we do. So, God, we praise you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. We thank you for our church. We thank you that we find ourselves here together. Pray that you be with us, Lord, in all that we do. Help us to love each other well, to be patient with each other, to pray for each other well. Be with us as we step in the squads this week. We just want to be with you, Father. We don't want to fantasy church. We just want to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.